at the mention of your name, every knee will bow, which isn't in the song. And every chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just the whisper of your name will silence wind and waves. Just at the mention of your name. You are my strength. You are my anchor. And you never fail. You are my hope. You will deliver. Emmanuel. You are my strength and you are my anchor. You will never fail. You are my hope. You are my deliverer. Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Amen. We are continuing our summer series on God through my iPod, and the song I chose this morning was the one you just saw. It's called Mention of Your Name by Jen Johnson. And the scripture that I want to speak from this morning that goes along with the song is uh, Mark 6, verse 45 to 52. And uh, let's read it now. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and he cried out, or, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. So in the initial reading, uh, there's a few confusing things. You see Jesus sends his disciples across the uh, water, and they... It's the middle of the night, and they're making headway painfully, and Jesus is up on the mountain praying, and uh, he sees them, that they're having a hard time, and so he, uh, he's probably praying for them, help, uh, asking the Lord that they would get to the other side safely. Um, and he sees them, and he goes out to them on the water, and they're incredibly terrified because they think it's a ghost. And we see this, this uh, phrase, he met, he's walking towards them and he meant to pass by them. Now, the first time I read this, I'm like, uh, he meant to pass by them. So what, Jesus was up on the mountain and he's like, ah, look at those guys. They're out on the, the water. They're having a hard time. I bet you I can beat them to the other side. Just going to head out onto the water. You know, I'll just run. Who needs a boat? I'll just run across, pass by them, give them a little wave on my way, and, uh, you know, 
we'll talk about their boating skills at the other side. No, that's probably not what happened, but... Uh, so we have that we see this phrase, he meant to pass by them. So I want to look at this phrase, uh, a good way to, if you're confused with one part of Scripture, try and find another area of Scripture that might illuminate uh, that part of Scripture. So I want to read Exodus 33, 12 through 23. Uh, it's a little bit longer, but uh, stick with me and it'll pay off in the end. All right, Exodus 33, 12 through 23. Moses is up on the mountain speaking with the Lord. And he says, uh, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have, found fa- you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your, um, I and your people, is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of this earth. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see my face and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. So we see in Exodus that Moses is asking the Lord to show him his glory. And he's asking the Lord, saying, God, I am not going anywhere unless you go with us. It's it's your presence that distinguishes us from all the other peoples of the land. We need you to go with you. Or, sorry, we need you to go with us. So, God passes by Moses with his presence. So, Jesus is standing up on the mountain, looking down at his disciples, having a a very trying time on the water, and his intent is to go towards them and to pass by them. His disciples are having an incredibly difficult time. They don't know what's up or down. They don't know what's going on. The wind is pushing them off course, and the Lord sees them. He never takes his eyes off of them. 
And his desire is to come alongside them and to pass by, his presence to pass by them, to give them comfort. For Mark, this event is a theophany. Theophany is a manifestation or an appearance of the transcendent Lord or the appearance of, of a deity who will pass by them as, just as God did on Mount Sinai. R.T. France, a commentator, says this, In wonderful fashion, Jesus put his authority at the disposal of the disciples and passed by to assure them of his presence with them. So what this statement is actually saying and what it actually means is that Jesus didn't intend to run past them and beat them to the other side, but he actually meant to go directly towards them in their struggles out on the sea and to assure them that he was always with them. To assure them of his presence. Sometimes when we're in the storm, we cry out to the Lord and we say, Lord, do you see that I'm in this storm? Do you see the hardships that I'm walking through? Do you see life is difficult every single day? I can't take it any longer. And the Lord's desire is to pass by us. The Lord's desire is to come and meet us in our hardships and to pass by his presence to comfort us, to give us peace that passes all understanding. Jesus passes by us in our time of need, in our time of distress, in our storms, when literally everything in our lives is shaking. He is the solid rock on which we can stand. There have been times when I've been in prayer and all, I can, all that comes out of my mouth is, Holy Spirit, come. I don't know other, any other words to say right now. Holy Spirit, come. Comfort me. Be with us. Guide us. Lead us. You are faithful. When my wife and I lived in Montana, we were working with Youth of the Mission, and uh, I had a mentor. Uh, he's still a great mentor and friend of mine. He's in his mid to late 60s. And I came to him one day and I said, Ron, uh, I'm new in ministry. Uh, I don't know much about it. Tell me kind of what your day looks like. Like, what does a normal day look like? Well, he said, normal. I don't know if normal is a good word, but... Uh, I can share with you a little bit of what my day looks like. Yeah, sure. So he, he said, you know, in the morning I'll do a little bit of this and then I'll do a little bit of that and I'll, uh, I don't know, have some meetings, this and that. And then he said, and every day around, so this was on the YWAM, in a YWAM context, uh, every day he said, at around three o'clock, I drive my car down to the YWAM campus and I walk through the cafeteria where people might be working. I walk through the dorms where people are hanging out. I walk through the student center. 
and uh, see if there's anyone I can chat with. I sit in the library and read a couple minutes. And, and he said, the reason why I do this is just to assure people of my presence. I'm a senior leader here. There's a lot of people in their 20s, early 20s, late teens. Um, and I've been here for 20, 25 years, 30 years. And I just like to walk around and let people know that I'm here, a calming presence. And I just see that kind of the exact same thing as Jesus. You know, he, he sees his disciples out on the water. They're having a hard time. And he, he just goes to them and he's like, hey, here's my presence. In my presence, there's fullness of joy. Everything will change when I'm here. One of the speakers that would come and speak in our discipleship training schools in YWAM in Montana, uh, his name was Dan Bauman. And Dan uh, is a, an incredible missionary. He's got an incredible life story, and he just trusts the Lord to speak to him in incredible ways. He's taken trips where he literally gets his directions from the Lord, like every step, like I'm talking right turn, left turn type stuff. It's wild. And uh, so he, he was imprisoned uh, at one point in Iran for nine weeks. Him and, a, him and his friend had some holidays and they decided that the Lord, they, they thought the Lord or felt the Lord had been leading them to go to Iran. And uh, so they get to the border, they hand over their passports, and the next thing you know, it, they've been put in jail in Iran, and there's no hope of getting out. And Dan is in there, and they're interrogating him daily, they're beating him, they're uh, torturing him, all the, everything that you can think of in a crazy prison. Um, and Dan gets to the end of his road, and he says, I can't take it any longer. And he wants to end his life. And so he actually tries four times to take his life. And on the fourth time, every single time, he just can't muster up the courage to do this. And on the last time, he's on his knees weeping. And a bright light comes into his cell room. And he turns around and Jesus is standing in his cell in Iran where horrible, grotesque things have been happening to him for nine weeks. And Jesus says to Dan, I love you and I promise to carry you through this. In the midst of Dan's storm, Jesus passed by him. Jesus broke into that cell with his presence and comforted Dan. Dan wasn't released right away, but from that moment on, Dan never had another thought of ending his life. And in fact, he turned the entire situation around and actually started sharing the gospel with his torturers. When Jesus' presence breaks in, everything changes. When we mention his name, he comes and everything changes. Just like, uh, just like the disciples on the sea, just like Moses in the cleft of the rock. 
So Mark writes this story about Jesus passing by the disciples on the water. Mark is writing this story out. And a, good, a great question to ask yourself is, why does Mark feel the need to share this story with his readers? Now, Mark's readers uh, are living in probably around 60, 64 AD, uh, about 30 years after the life of Christ. And they are living in Rome when there is massive extreme persecution. Uh, there's an emperor, his name was Nero. He was probably one of the worst uh, emperors in Rome. And he did horrific things to Christians. A couple things, he would put them into uh, the Colosseums, he would make them fight each other, he would sew Christians up into animal skins and feed them to wild beasts. Uh, these, one of the worst things that he would do is he loved throwing parties, specifically in his garden. And he would have these garden parties, and the way that he would light his garden parties was he would put Christians on these big poles and he would light them on fire. And that would be the lighting for the evening. I can't imagine that this would be an enjoyable experience uh, to be at one of Nero's parties, but I'm assuming that if you didn't show up to one of his parties, you'd probably be killed as well. So Mark is writing this story of Jesus' presence into this situation where Christians are literally running for their lives day in and day out. They're hiding in catacombs underneath Rome, which are, uh, some of these catacombs are 60 feet underneath the ground where they bury their dead. Um, and so Christians are hiding amongst the dead so that they aren't killed themselves. So Mark writes into this situation to comfort his readers. Mark is one of the shortest gospels, or sorry, it is the shortest gospel of the four, and it's written in such a fashion that it would be, it would be read very quickly. Every time uh, the word immediately appears, it would actually cause the reader to speed up in his reading. So this is the situation. Let's look a little bit more at our story of Jesus walking on the water. In verse 48, he says, and he, saw, uh, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night, this is like three, between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but, they saw, but they saw, when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. So these disciples are absolutely terrified of this ghost out on the water. And so many times in our, in our lives, we come into our storms and we are paralyzed with fear. There is uncertainty and we immediately are gripped with fear and it paralyzes us from functioning. We think about all the possibilities of what could happen. We start going down the road of trying to figure out every possible outcome and try and control the situation. The disciples were fishermen, we all know this, and there was a belief during this period 
that in the night, when there would be storms, the, the spirits of the night would come out. And so that's why they thought that this was a ghost. They thought Jesus' presence was a ghost. And so they were absolutely terrified of what was going to take place. They were terrified of their lives. They were probably going to die. And I, I was just thinking about this, and I was thinking so often our mindsets and our beliefs about who God is, about our situation, dictate fear and create fear, anxiety, and worry in our lives. And Jesus corrects their worldview of the disciples and says, in your storms, you don't have to da- bow down to the, to the belief that the spirits of the night will destroy you. But you can rest in the fact that my presence will pass by you and that I am with you. Jesus says in verse 50, at the end of verse 50, at the end of verse 50, he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Jesus assures them not to be afraid. And in this phrase, it is I, if you look at the original writings, it very well could be referring to an Old Testament uh, name of God. So it is I probably was referring to the word Yahweh. And so Jesus is walking up to them and he says, don't worry, it's Yahweh. Don't worry, I am. I am that I am. I am who I am. It is I. And the disciples would have been like, what? This is Yahweh in our midst? Take heart, it is I. I am God. I am in control. I created the wind and the waves. I can make them stop. Do not be afraid. I am with you even in your storm. What follows is incredibly powerful. Jesus doesn't say a thing, at least we're not told. And he steps into the boat and immediately everything changes. Immediately the winds and the waves stop. And the disciples are astounded. Psalm 89 says, 89.9, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Isaiah 51.10, was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? Jeremiah 31, 35, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for the light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord of angel armies is his name. That's what that word hosts means. The Lord of armies angelic armies. He's the one who is passing by with his presence. One of my favorite preachers and teachers, he was sharing a lecture at a Bible school and he, his big thing he was talking about, he was like, preach a big God to your people. 
preach a massively huge God to your people. And then he shared a story. He said, he said, I was, um, I was seven years into my pastorate at this church and there was a couple who were a very prominent couple in our church and they were during the first service, the, fir- the first service was just wrapping up and they happened to be at the back in the foyer and the husband dies of a heart attack right in the, th- right in the foyer. And uh, he fought he finds out after the service what has happened. They've gone off to the hospital and he's, he has passed away. He's gone to be with the Lord. And uh, they're scrambling. They're like, do we do our second service? Do we, can, do we cancel everything and just have a time of prayer? What do we do? And finally they decide we'll do the second service, but we will open up with a time of prayer and intercession for this couple. And so they open up the second service, they pray, they, they uh, bless the family, and he gets up on stage, and he's about to start his message, and he looks up into the balcony, and he sees the wife walk in to the service. And she sits down in the front row of the balcony, and he's like, what is going on here? Like, her husband has just passed away, she should be mourning at the at the hospital. And so he gives his, he gives his sermon, and uh, at the end he runs up to her, he gives her condolences, his condolences, and comforts her, and, and then he finally, he looks at her and says, why are you here? Like, what brought you back? And she looked at him and said, I just needed to worship the Lord. I just needed to be in his presence. And I needed to hear the word of the Lord. I needed to know how big God was in this circumstance. When everything else around me was shaking, I needed to know that God was the one who calmed the ocean. I needed to know that my creator loved me and that I could stand on the rock of the word of God. My intent this morning is that God would be big. God would be shown massive this morning. And that whatever you're going through today, in our time of transition as a, as a body, that we would stand on the rock that is Jesus, that we would stand on the rock of the word of God, the inspired word of God, the living and active word of God. Worship in the midst of the storm. Meditate on how, God, how big God is. Read scriptures like Psalm 89, Isaiah 51, and Jeremiah 31. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. He is not surprised by anything. He's not surprised by anything. And he desires to pass by you. He desires that his presence would give you peace that passes understanding. 
that would comfort you. In the last two verses of this text, it reads, And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Now again, they did not understand about the loaves. Uh, excuse me? What are you talking about? Well, we have to remember to read in context. And so if you look earlier in chapter 6, right before this, the event was Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Jesus had um, taken five five loaves of bread and two fish and fed 5,000 people. The disciples saw the fi- that the 5,000 were fed and still they, they still failed to recognize who Jesus was. He was and is the Christ, the Messiah. Their expectation of who Jesus was uh, kept them from accepting who Jesus actually was. And their hearts were hard. We must not have hard hearts towards Jesus in this season. Jesus wants to do, we must not have hard hearts towards what Jesus wants to do in and through us and in our body in this season. We must come with open hands and open hearts and say, Jesus, however you want to do things, However you want to work in this group of believers, do it. Have your way. When you are in the storm, pray this prayer. God, do whatever you want to me so that you can do whatever you want through me. When you are in the storms of life, do not pray to be taken out of them. This is very hard. I pray all the time to be taken out of my storms. But pray in your darkest moments. Do whatever you want to me so you can do whatever you want through me. I am not my own. Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, rest. I believe that the Lord wants to assure us that His presence is with us during this season of transition. He has not left us. He is always with us. He is not far off. He is right here among us, guiding us, leading, and directing us. He is the head of the church, He is the head of the church. It is not man. If man is the head of the church, it will fail. Let me be very clear. It will fail. Jesus said that he will build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do we trust the Lord that he is for us? 
and wants to assure us of his presence, that he will guide and lead and direct us? Are we going to believe and trust and have faith in him? Will we pray in faith that God is going to provide for us and take care of us in this time? Do we believe that God wants good things for SunWest? Do we believe that God wants good things for SunWest? Or are we going to be paralyzed by fear, just like the disciples? I want to end with our vision statement and our mission not as, well, yes, as SunWest, but not as SunWest, as believers. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And hear me, even in seasons of transition, we are still called to make disciples. Even in, in seasons of storms, even in seasons of trials, we are still called to do the same things. Our calling doesn't change depending on what season we're in. We're always called to make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And then he ends with this. And remember, I am with you always. I am with you always. My presence will pass by you even in the storm, even in the struggles, when the waves are way over our heads. My presence is with you. Jesus, we look to your beautiful face this morning. We say we love you. We honor you. We glorify you. Jesus, we're so thankful that your presence is with us. You're guiding us, you're leading us, and you're comforting us. You're giving us peace. You are a God of peace. And you calm the wind and the waves at the mention of your name. Just at the mention of your name. We love you, Jesus. Amen.